Welcome to the podcast that is all about self-employment. We'll be sharing expertise on getting started, getting noticed, and getting it right, as well as dealing with getting it wrong. Your host, Julia Kermode, will help you get ahead so you get the success you deserve. Welcome to today's episode, listeners. And with me, I've got Martin Barnes, who is a crocodile wrestler and a pitch coach. And today we're talking about enjoying pitching. And this is the third of a trilogy of episodes. And today we're looking at visuals. So um, really warm welcome, Martin. Um, You've worked with an impressive list of clients. You've written conference talks for chief executives, um, developed brand stories and loads more. So I'm really pleased to have you with us. Hello, Julia. It's great to be back. Fantastic. So visuals. Um, When I think of presentations and visuals, so many people get this wrong and I hate those kind of slides that are lots of words and I know that there are lots of different approaches to, to visuals um, and so you know what's what's yours what where do you start? Um, I really believe that there are two types of core presentation mm. so the first presentation is the live in-person pitch or presentation yeah. where there is a speaker who is the focus and their slides are like a uh, best supporting actor. Yeah. They are not the spotlight, but they help amplify the performance. Mm-hmm. And so those slides should be visual and emotive and with as few words as possible. Yeah. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the presentation that you're sending out as an email PDF or it's going on the internet and you have no idea who the audience is. You have no idea when they're going to look at it, what, what headspace or energy they're going to bring to the presentation. So it needs a bit more context, Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't need to be a brochure because a brochure is a brochure. A brochure does its job really well. We know when we get a brochure that there's going to be quite a lot of information. There's going to be some reading, I might Mm. scan it first on the headlines. I might flick through it, look at the pictures. And when I have to, I'll dig in and start going through the paragraphs of text. That's what a brochure Mm. does. Why, why, why should a brochure do anything else? Presentation is not a brochure. And even if you're sending it remotely, it can still be visual. It can be uh, emotive. It can have a low word count because a pitch and a presentation is not trying to do the same job as a brochure. Mm-hmm. Or trying to do the same job as your website or an explainer video or a pamphlet or a flyer. They all have very specific roles. And a mm. presentation is there to entertain, inform and motivate. So how do you start then? I mean, you, you kind of mentioned a few different things there. Um, and so, you know, if, if I've got to give a presentation on a particular subject, um, where, do, where do I even start? Do I kind of think about the presentation first and add visuals later? Um, that would be my inclination, but, but what, I mean, there might not even be a recipe for success. There might, we might all be different in our approaches, but what, what do you find has worked? So that's a, such a great question. And I had that question so many times when I was mm. working in an agency, uh, a branded content agency in Beijing. And mm. I ended up being the guy that people came to with their presentations and they'd come to me they say, Martin, yes, uh, Tony said I could uh, ask you to help me with my presentation. I'm like, yeah, great. Let's, let's have a look. What have you got? They're like, well, it's, uh, it's tomorrow and I've been working on it. 
and they would <laughs> copy over a PPT. I'd open up, there's five slides, there's seven bullet points per slide, there's loads of small images. And I'd look at it and I'd go, this is tomorrow, right? And they're like, yeah, it's really important. You can help me, right? And I'm like, <laughs> they had this desperation in their voice and their eyes that by just giving it to me, I'd be able to make it amazing and, and become a, a project winning <laughs> mm. pitch. That put me in quite a tough position. And I ended up working late a lot because, you know, I had to do all of the work on the pitch. Mm. <clears throat> and then you realize that it's a lot to do with strategy and it's a lot to do with audience understanding and goal setting. And mm. so I, what I did was to sort of fix my own problem. I created the eight steps to showtime. Right. Which is a process that I go through every single time I make a pitch or a presentation, whether it's for myself or somebody else. And it all mm -hmm. starts on a whiteboard or a, a legal pad or post-it notes mm -hmm. or your mm -hmm. tablet sketching app. I want you to basically have an idea shower. Okay. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? I just learned this word. Uh, I used to call it brainstorming, but brainstorming yeah. just feels like it's really, oh God, I'm aggressive. Bolt of inspiration. <laughs> mm. Forget that. Have an idea shower. Let the ideas yeah. trickle down. Yeah. Monsoon. Yeah. Just have lots and lots of little ideas. Don't edit. Don't be critical. Don't try and get the golden nugget straight away, but just explore your idea mm. very holistically using lots of tangents and lots of associations. And that's why whiteboards are great because you have a, a big space that you can zoom into the details and pull out to the big picture really quickly. Mm. Um, mm. And so my first step is to brain uh, idea shower, not brain, mm -hmm. idea shower. <laughs> and then step two is to take all of those ideas and process them into a digital format where they're documented, spell checked and saved. And I use Evernote for that. Mm -hmm. And then once I've kind of captured all the ideas, I've harvested them into a savable format, I then start to write the script. And what I will do is I will write lots of short potential pitches and scripts. Mm -hmm. I'll write multiple options. So I have, it's a bit like Goldilocks. You want to have a big one, a medium one, and a small one. You want a hot one, okay. a cold one, and a salty one. You want a soft one, <laughs> a firm one, and a lumpy one. You don't want just three slightly different versions of the same thing. You want very different approaches. And you mm. have three or four drafts of your script, just as text in, in mm -hmm. your notes app, in Word, in Pages, in Evernote, in something that is so simple, there's no formatting distractions. Yeah. You, you figure out your script, and it's a bit like the synopsis on the back of a book or you know, a, a text only, because if you can sell it in text, then you can mm -hmm. work with it in visuals. And there's a fantastic story about Apple. A friend of mine used to work at Apple in China. And mm -hmm. he said that um, all Apple employees are banned from making keynotes. Okay. <laughs> they make keynote. They, they would all be making presentations. <laughs> That's the problem. They would all be making yeah. presentations their KPI is to be able to sell the idea as text in an email first. Because if I can right. convince you this is the right thing to do with a few paragraphs of text, and we green light that, then we can move it into slides. But if everything's yeah. coming in as fancy slides and I'm everyone's trying to emulate Steve Jobs, then we're just wasting time. So yeah. I took real inspiration from that. And I was like, wow, we have to make sure that we can structure, articulate and sell the idea first as words. And then once that's done, we move into the, uh, the fourth step, 
Mm. You're starting to wireframe your presentation. So you right. take the text out of the word editor and you just put it on slides from end to end. So you can see how many slides you have, what's the flow, what's the rhythm. Mm. A bit like wireframing an app or a website or any sort of technical thing. You have to sort of go through the steps bare bones first mm. and then step five is when you start looking for visuals right so when you're looking for visuals at step five and you've done the brainstorming the organizing the drafting and the wireframing you're so familiar with your story that you're not worrying about the structure of the content you're enjoying finding images that amplify your message yeah i i can i can empathize with that actually um and you know i i have done a few talks where i've taken that a uh, very similar approach and it is much better and much more to get yourself on board with, with with what you're doing because you know as you said you you enjoy it more and by the time you're looking for those images you're choosing them to complement your uh, storytelling content um, and if if listeners don't know what I'm talking about with storytelling they need to listen to the previous um, podcast episode um, but yeah it's it's it is all about that and so for for me I, I don't like those presentations that are the kind of bullet point lists um, I even found myself thinking in bullet points once <laughs> you know and it's just it's just not not how we're wired um, and so it is a lot easier to remember information if you do have those interesting visuals and i guess that's the point you're making 100 percent um so just really quickly about those bullet points you know if the a lot of people will say i'm busy i've got other things to do i'll make the presentation tonight yeah. and they get they're tired <laughs> and they haven't really thought about it it's all been swimming around as goldfish in their head and then yeah. they sit down they open up powerpoint keynote canva prezi google slides whatever it is the first slide yeah has a title and three bullet points. And so it's like starting to bake a cake with the biscuit cutter first. And you start thinking, <laughs> yeah. what do I have to put in the biscuit cutter to make the biscuit? Yeah. You need the ingredients, you need the bowl, you need the, the, the inspiration, you need mm. the motivation. If you start with the biscuit cutter, everything looks like a biscuit cutter. Um, yeah, yeah. And when, when you know, a template offers you three bullet points oh, i've got to i've got to fill in three bullet points because that's what the thing i have more to say but i haven't really thought mm. about what i actually want to say and and that becomes it just pushes you in the wrong direction and then mm. powerpoint is loaded with distractions drop shadow reflections <laughs> corners fonts yes. and so you start fiddling with your with your formatting before you've focused on your your content and you over polish something before you've even figured out what it is and yeah. you worry you spend more time aligning and making design consistent before your message is done and and you're you're you finish and you're like oh i'm exhausted and you've over polished nine slides out of 30 so <laughs> you start and the first nine kind of look okay and then they just drop because you run out of time and you can always see mm. it at the end of someone's slides when the formatting starts getting less fussy because they're right. just throwing it in at the last minute <laughs> Um, yeah. or they're doing a Dr. Frankenstein where they're sort of saying, oh, I had that in a slide before, I'll go and grab that. And I had that on a slide before, oh, I'll go and yeah. grab that. And the fonts might be slightly different and the, and the sizes are different. And all these little sort of shifts of visual input distract you away from the message because you haven't actually mm. focused on the message. Um, and so slide design is easy when you know what you want to say. Slide yeah. design is horrible 
when you have no idea. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or you're just pinching bits from previous ones. I, that, I've done that plenty of times and it's just like, oh, we all you end up with a bit of... But yeah, you just end yeah. up with this lumbering Frankenstein that's dragging its foot and <laughs> a blinking eye and a, you know, a twitch because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't designed as a coherent story. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. You, you, you know, that's that's enough of that bit. But like when you do have your story done at like step three of my process, the, the scripting phase, and you move it into the wireframing phase, you might shift it around a bit. Mm, that move mm. from text on a on a page to text in slides because you have a slide transition. A sh- sh- yeah, yeah. You you see the flow and the connection, and and again, the whole beauty of the process is that it, it's flexible. That you might start flipping around the structure of the message as you're designing your wireframes, but you're making minor tweaks rather than making massive changes. Mm. Um, and then again, when you're looking for images, you might find an image. You go, oh, that actually communicates my point even better but mm. if I add that picture then there's a ripple effect where what I said two slides later needs to be changed but again yeah. because you've got you've gone from the abstract to the tangible you're in complete control of your story so you can make those modifications on the move with real mm. um, flow rather than them being rakes that's that kind of come out of nowhere and smack you in the face and, and they make yeah. it all disjointed um, so to be able to visualize presentations really well you have to own the story first Mm. and then you have to before you own the story you have to know who you're talking to and why you're talking to them and actually on my website i have a downloadable pdf where it's like 20 discovery questions for figuring out your goals and your audience ah Um, and that that sounds great you don't have to sign up for that there's no email list to join for that that's just a freebie so i'll I'll share that um it'd be great perfect your audience to know that because once you figure out your goals and your audience and then you do your uh, idea shower on the whiteboard and then you take them towards the wireframes but you do it in a methodical way Mm. and the great thing that i designed this process to be able to be done in an hour if you have an oh wow you can (laughs) it's like a concertina you can condense it or you can expand it to six months if you're on a six-month project timeline Mm. um and the only rule is you can't jump a step Okay. if you jump a step you jump too far and you land with a wobble and that wobble starts to amplify and then you fall over and yeah. i i don't jump a step i'm religious about following the steps because i have jumped a step before and i've made massive mistakes and just realized okay. oh god because i jumped a step because i thought i was good enough to oh, i don't need to do that step i don't need to put all my <laughs> ideas into mm. the note. and then i realized that the whiteboard got cleaned by the office cleaner and i've lost everything and then I'm back to square one, for example. So yeah, you have to follow the process because process sets you free. Okay, well, that, sound, that sounds really good. And we'll definitely include a link to that. So um, part of my, my own background in doing presentations is I've done quite a few on what would be potentially outwardly boring. So, so in terms of legal detail, tax-related detail and stuff like that. Um, but there was one presentation I did where I was talking about transparency and transparency within the supply chain, um, which doesn't sound all that exciting. But I was like, how am I going to show transparency? Um, because by definition, you can see through it. So how do you find a visual to, to kind of go with that? So I then found um, transparent fishes on the internet I don't even know how and then I developed a whole story 
story around these transparent fishes. And anyway, I'm not saying, by the way, that it was a brilliant presentation, but <laughs> but that's what I ended up with. And I just thought, if people remember me for my transparent fishes, transparency was an important word for what I wanted um, uh, one of the messages to be. And I just thought, well, I'm just going with it. And it, it does, it sets you free because... It's much more fun, even if the audience doesn't necessarily get it. Although I think, to be honest, the, the audiences I was in front of did get it. But give it a go. I mean, what's the worst that you? What's the worst that can happen? Absolutely. You know, that's a, that's a fantastic way of simplifying complexity and visualizing. You know what you really need to to communicate. So mm. I worked with um, a department of an automotive company. They integrity and compliance department okay that sounds as exciting as what i've been doing yeah <laughs> exactly, exactly but i found the challenge incredibly um rewarding because they had budget to spend they had needs to communicate and no one else mm. cared about them and <laughs> i i got involved with them i worked with them for six years and we created some amazing uh, visual work that in a company of two thousand people um people would come and find the project manager of that project from a completely different department they'd never spoken before and said i really like what you just created wow um, and so we had to do a very high level presentation to engineers full of data and facts mm. and statistics and strategies and warnings and trends and all this sort of stuff and every slide was super dense heavy and yeah. my usual approach was rejected because it was we had to present in a certain way within yeah. certain templates and I accepted that but what I did do was I understood that the main message was about navigating risk and so I kept I found a photograph of a uh, a painting I think it was of a galleon like a big sort of Spanish style wooden galleon crashing through waves waves going everywhere <laughs> mm. you know the guys on the boat kind of really working and but the ship was strong and sturdy and it was yeah. it was getting battered by the storm but it wasn't capsizing or sinking and okay. that was the message of the pitch and so we had one image at the start the title slide the book cover of the pitch mm. or the presentation was this really emotive image and again for a car company it wasn't a car but it was transportation. It was a boat. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't any particular country or any particular signifiers. It was a galleon from history. Mm. And they loved it because it, it framed everything else. So one image mm -hmm. then had 20 or 30 slides of it, super dense brochure style yeah. information. Um, but again, just like the transparent fish, you figured out a visual metaphor to lead people into what the content was because if it had just been a, a blank screen with a sort of abstract swishy visual and a vector yeah. and and for the attention of with a date <laughs> versions yeah. two or whatever people would come in and be like oh great more more information yeah 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 when you yeah. when you frame it with a visual story that is emotive people are like okay i can imagine it and you're giving them a sense of ownership in why this is important. Yeah, yeah. And th this is, it It can really um, kind of change how, how you come across as well. If you've got, if you've got boring slides, um, then you will probably come across boring and you might not be a boring person. So, so you know, I, I don't know why, why we do this to ourselves, really. really. Um, and I think one of the, 
things that has been a barrier for me previously is having enough time to put in the legwork. And so kind of my final question, which might be quite difficult, is is how much time should we be putting into these things? I mean, I I guess it's different for everyone, but what have you found in, in your experience? Um, you need to put in more time than you think. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a bit like cooking or deciding what to wear in the morning. If you give it two mm. seconds of thought, you're going to come back with a pretty bland average meal or you're going to go out <laughs> looking fairly the same you do all the time. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say the same as yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever you're most comfortable with. But the more time mm. you spend digging for images, the more images you find. Um, and I, I, I want to share two, two sort of tips. Mm. So there's a fantastic website called Unsplash. Right. Okay. And I don't know how many people know about it, but I, I'm starting to see their images come through more and more in LinkedIn. And I've okay. known about it for a few years and I never used to tell anybody. It was my... <laughs> it was your secret. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm like, hey, let's, I want more people to use better images. So Unsplash is a sort of evolution of Google, Pinterest, Flickr. And mm. what they do is they've approached photographers and said, hey, look, you've got thousands of pictures on your hard disk that no one's seeing. Why don't you put them online? get some aware right yeah well, let's make this really simple people can use the images for whatever they want yeah no fantastic and okay you get, you get like four thousand by three thousand resolution images by professionals with super good equipment mm. um and so i must have like 60 unsplash boards and mm -hmm. every project i give it my client reference number and then i start searching for images as I'm developing. So I have maybe 60 images that I might be using or I'm basically building mood boards. Um, yeah. Some clients have mood boards of 500 images. Yeah. And say, for example, I then like will, again, think what is the emotion I'm trying to capture in this image? And I'll mm. look for adjectives as keywords, start searching for those and then yeah. start presenting images. And then it has lots of similar images underneath. And mm -hmm. you can get the most amazing images of emotions, feelings, details, process. Um, and it's beautifully diverse and multicultural. It's, it's mm. really well represented. So it's not just white guys in suits, but it's it's like more <laughs> than that now. Thank God. Mm. Um, and it's just a fantastic place to get images to put on your landing page, put in your presentation. And they're high quality. So you spend most of your time scaling them down. And yes, bro. they're not these kind of page you know google page one image results that everybody's getting <laughs> you can yeah. see the people using the same images for sustainability because that's what the google throws at you and they yeah go, hey, i don't have time i'm just chucking that and it's 200 by 200 <laughs> gif that i mean whatever that you're scaling up yeah. to whatever yeah um so unsplash is an incredible resource um and then the alternative to finding images is to sketch. Oh, wow. Okay. I've never thought of doing that. Okay. I worked with a uh, the, the China C CMO of a big uh, automotive company. Mm. We made his presentation. He brought all the content and I just visualized it. And it was 60% mm. photos, 40% sketches, mm -hmm. iPad sketches. So I use a program called Bamboo Paper by Wacom. Right. And that's Android and iOS. And it's basically a whiteboard in your hand. You have a range of pens, different sizes, and you can sketch. And I just use yeah. my finger. So I'm literally finger sketching. Mm. And what I want people to really appreciate is that sketching and drawing are not the same thing. Okay. 
sketching is about communicating with a visual drawing mm -hmm. is about creating something that someone goes wow you don't have yeah. to be super wowed by a sketch for it to be successful. Mm -hmm. And a sketch does turn into a drawing. They are in, they are intrinsically connected, but there's a point that you can take a sketch where you're like, that's all I need it to do. Mm -hmm. and, and so I did these incredibly basic stick man sketches. And again, the sim they're back to the cave paintings, the, the, the simpler they were, mm. the more ownership the audience could put on them. Yeah. They could understand the message. So a presentation with a big digital sketch from a tablet looks amazing. A bit like my yeah. crocodiles that you can see behind me. Yeah. They were yeah, done yeah. on an iPad a couple of seconds. Okay. Um, and when people ask you, they go, where did the sketches come from? You say, I, I did them. And they, go, <laughs> and they lean forward even more and they're like, wow. Mm. Mm. And it's like, yes, you sketching because it, it communicates exactly what you want. You have all the tools you need. Even, I have a friend who takes amazing photographs, really simple, and he just writes on post-it notes, questions. Mm -hmm. And his whole thing is asking questions. And if you go to his social media stream, it's just these beautiful yellow post-it notes with question, question, tons of engagement underneath. Mm. Because people are reading it, they're seeing handwritten marks. And they go, I want to connect with this. Yeah. So if you can't find the right image, sketch it. Keep the sketch simple, yeah. bold, and then give them away freely, you know, and, and just let them proliferate into all different channels because you'll be remembered as the person that sketched something. And you can take mm -hmm. ownership in a meeting and be the whiteboarder, notepadder, and then you move them into your presentation and it breaks the flow because people are expecting those overused Google One images Mm. or just misplaced icons from PPT or you know, they just get <laughs> yeah. badly used. So it's it's picture, low res picture, weird icon, low res, and, and that's what people are used to. Whereas if you just mm. drop in a stick person sketch, and again, it's of a yeah. woman this time, please, let's not it all just be men. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can say that you created that image because you wanted to communicate a certain thing. People remember that. Um, yeah. And I teach sketching and I've had three people who've gone through insane transformations of being scared of ever doing more than writing to actually mm. being known for their sketching. So okay. everybody can sketch. It is what we, we forgot to do it when we left school. <laughs> yeah. I want you to remember that you can sketch and that sketching is an incredibly powerful communication tool, especially for presentations. Brilliant. I absolutely love that. I feel really inspired. I really want to go away and, and do something, but I don't know what, but, <laughs> but, um, but no, that's such, such a brilliant way to, to end this chat because time, time has run away again. So, um, so yeah, Massive, massive thank you so much for, for um, joining us today and for doing a trilogy um, of enjoying how to pitch. I've absolutely loved talking to you and um, hopefully we can talk again sometime soon. Absolutely, Julie. I'd love to check in and find out how your sketching's going, how your elevator pitch is. <laughs> and, you know, I look forward to listening to the show and seeing how, you know, your journey, we're all on journeys, but your journey mm. putting yourself out there is, is progressing. I, I commend you. I think it's amazing. Congratulations. Fantastic. Well, we will definitely stay in touch. So yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to All About Self-Employment hosted by Julia Kermode. For more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk where you can also join our growing community. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.